Welcome to the Anxiety Slayer series. Our mission is to assist you with creating more peace and tranquility in your life through anxiety release exercises and supportive tools created to slay your anxiety. Welcome to Anxiety Slayer. I'm Shan Vanderleek here with my fantastic Slayer sister, Ananga Sivier. We come together weekly on Skype to share Anxiety Slayer sessions with you and often answer listener questions from our inbox and Facebook page. And together, Ananga and I are armed with a powerful collection of techniques to reduce anxiety. This week, we're going to discuss a listener concern about anxiety and chronic illness. Hey, Ananga, lovely to be with you again this week. Hi, Shen. So this is something that we hear of often and something that you have personal experience with, chronic illness and the anxiety around what that feels like and, and how to best manage chronic illness. I'd love for you to share some of your thoughts and tips and successes around managing chronic illness, if you would. I'm happy to. As you're aware, I've lived with chronic illness on and off throughout my adult life. It started when I was about 18 years of age, and I would have spells of just completely um, non-functionality, just being stuck in bed for a few weeks, and then I'd get back to a normal life again. And then when I was in my mid-30s, I had a prolonged spell of my body just giving up and being in bed for months. And ever since then, I'm now in my late 40s, I haven't managed to return to normal functioning, what I would consider a normal healthy life. I'm grateful to say that I'm better than I was, but I'm not better, completely better. I've had to spend a lot of time learning coping mechanisms, learning with the difficult days. And I think what I'd really like to share today, since our listeners asking about chronic illness and anxiety, is the increase of uncertainty, which I think majorly feeds into our anxiety. We like things to be steady, dependable, and normal. And when you're living with a chronic illness, the uncertainty that we can experience in normal life, which increases anxiety, it magnifies tenfold. You're not able to know how you're going to feel in the morning from one day to the next. If somebody asks you to do something or go somewhere, you can't just put a ring on your calendar and say, I'm free that day. Because your calendar might be free, but your body might not be able to cope with what you're being asked to do. So I've found that to be particularly challenging when you're invited to somebody's wedding or a child's birthday party, and you don't know if you can go or not. And you don't want to let people down. You don't want to offend people. You don't want to put yourself in a situation where you could feel even more ill or you may have to leave because you're very ill or all of those things, all of those what-ifs, those uncertainties. One thing that I learned fairly recently that helps me with that is to respond to social expectation from my heart, which is, I'd love to come. Thank you for asking me. I'd absolutely love to come. Because I don't want to say oh, I've got to see how I feel, I'm having a rough patch. I don't want to explain. I don't want to bring right. I don't want to put a downer on other people's happy event. So I just realized what works for me is to say I'd absolutely love to. And I'll put it on my calendar. And then nearer the time, I'll have to assess how I'm feeling and whether I'm able to go or not. And often it's not. Often I'll have to bail out the next day. If it's close friends, they are used to me and I can tell them, 
on the day, whether I can or not. But that just saves me a lot of pressure, of expectation, and that thing of, I'd love to go, but I don't know if I can, of just saying from your heart what you'd like to do, and then being able to respond positively to somebody, but then see close to the time if you can or not. And the other side of that is, on the times I am able to attend events and, and spend time with people, I really, really try and make sure I do it with all my heart and all my attention, as carefully and consciously as I can. So there's always good lessons in these challenging situations, but that's one thing that helps with the expectation of social pressure. And I think the other thing I've really had to learn is that low moods are normal. It doesn't necessarily mean there's something mentally wrong with us. If we are feeling ill for years and years on end, for the first 10 years, I hope and think I was fairly gracious about it. I was fairly resigned and trying to live with gratitude as best as I could. And then when it came up to about over 10 years and heading into 12 years, I would sometimes feel a little resentful and I would feel lower moods coming over me of, okay, this doesn't look like it's going. This looks like this is going to be my life. And although I'm not bedridden anymore, and I'm very grateful for that. I still have to use a mobility scooter if I want to walk more than a few yards and I'm restricted in, in other ways. And it's challenging. And sometimes it hurts. Sometimes it's hard. So to understand that we have tough days, we have difficult times, and it doesn't necessarily mean there's something wrong with us. If somebody has a flu or an ongoing virus, they can get low. We can all get low when we're suffering. So it's okay, best not to uh, beat ourselves up over it, but to just try and cultivate the spirit and the mood we'd rather have, to notice it when it comes up, and to try and, again, live with gratitude and appreciate what you can do. And that's the next lesson for me, is to live as best you can every day with what you have. And you really are such an incredible role model in all of this, having partnered with you now for as long as I have, every time we come together, you show up in the best possible way that you can in gratitude and we share a laugh or we have those days where we can't come together and we reschedule and whether it's on my end or yours, but you have such a beautiful way of saying, well, this is what today looks like and how am I going to make the best of it? And not coming from a place of resentfulness and from a place where people could easily go. And I just commend you so much, A, for being so transparent and sharing from your heart your own story, and B, for really giving our listeners an idea of how they can move forward in their life if they are living with chronic illness as well. Thank you so much, Ananga. Do you have anything else that you'd like to share? Your words are very kind. <laughs> I think it's important to get support as much as you can. The beautiful thing for me with, with working with you is that I'd probably see more of you than if we lived in each other's neighbourhood because we connect via Skype. If I'm having a, an ill day, I can sit in my pyjamas with a hot cup of tea and talk to you and go back to bed if I need to. So right. It's really great to be able to take advantage of the ways we can connect and we can keep in touch with each other even when we're not able to be physically present with each other. And it's very important to also look at those methods for support. 
there are a lot of authors that have really helped me. Um, there's a book called How to Be Sick, which we mentioned on a previous podcast. And when this podcast goes on our website, I'll put these details in the notes. There's some fantastic coping mechanisms in that book for being able to deal with the anxiety, that daily thing of, will I ever be better? Will I ever be able to live what's considered a fully normal life? And how can I live richly with these limitations? Because in honesty, we all have limitations. We all have adversities that we have to live with. They just look different for different people. So I think for me, there's been a lot of learning in this, which I'm grateful for. And uh, it's just very important to hook up with people who understand, who know what you're going through and can help you move forward and just live each day to its fullest. And I think for me, the real golden nugget that I, that I heard a few years ago was from my daughter. When I first became seriously ill, she was five years old and I was in bed. I had to have help to bathe. If I got out of bed and sat in a chair, I had to be got out of the chair and put back to bed. And as a mother of a five-year-old, that's scary. There was a lot of confusion and a lot of uncertainty around that. And what I tried to do was when she was at school, completely rest. If I needed to cry, worry, whatever, I'd do it while she was out of the house. And when she came home, I was so happy to see her and spend time with her. And she told me a few years ago that she never thought she had a sick mom. It never occurred to mm. her. So for me, that was okay. Then that's doing the oh, best yeah. you can with that situation. And sometimes, you know, she'd come to bed and I'd already be in bed and she'd come and stand <laughs> up with me and, and I'd read her a story. And I can remember one time where I couldn't hold a book to read the book and I couldn't focus my eyes on the lines of the page. And so my husband would come and he'd read a story to us both at bedtime, which on the one hand you could think, well, that's really tough. You can't even hold a book. But on the other hand, it became a really sweet, evening routine where he would come and read to us both and we both enjoyed a bedtime story together such look, a beautiful share thank you so much yeah, i look upon that with real gratitude to him oh. and just how families can get through and it doesn't have to seem like a bad thing to your kids it doesn't have to increase their anxiety so we have to be creative and find ways to get support if you can't read and you've got brain fog and you can't concentrate get audiobooks. If you can't get on the computer and you can't concentrate to get the audiobooks, get a friend to do it for you. Mm, One of right. my friends set me up an online shopping account because I couldn't get to the shop, so she just did it for me. Here's your login, here's your password, this is where you go to get your groceries if you can't get out. Those things really help. And friends like to help. Good friends want yes. to help you. So just be open to support. And sometimes we have to be a bit creative with... Um, what we need to do to get by but just try and accept help where you can and and always hold hope that things might improve when I was stuck in bed for months and I had trouble washing my hair I would have been very happy to live how I am talking to you today it's not it's not fully healthy I've got pain while I'm talking to you I'm not a hundred percent functional but it's so so much better than that was then so always have hope that if you really look after yourself as best you can Look after your nutrition as best you can. Get whatever support you feel you can. Things can always improve. Mm, thank you so much, Ananga. I think that uh, our listeners are going to feel so very supported by our conversation today. And, and again, I really, really appreciate your sharing from the heart and from your own personal experience. 
It's my pleasure. I hope it helps. Hope it helps somebody else too. Our new album, Peace, Guided Meditations for Peace of Mind, is the sixth album in our series of releases to help you calm your anxiety. Peace is now available in the iTunes Music Store. Thank you.